Welcome to the Digital Public Relations Podcast, covering news and trends in the digital space. Produced by the PR students in Kent State University's School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Hey guys, it's Brianna. Hey guys, it's Jarrett, and welcome to our digital PR podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how politicians are finding their voice and audience on social media. Um, Voice and audience are really crucial to the digital PR world right now. Voice is what makes you sound authentic as a brand or as an individual, and audience are the people that you're communicating to at all times. Um, So today we just kind of wanted to talk about a few things that are affecting how our politicians in this country are using social media. So the first question I have for you, Jared, is, is social media polarizing political parties more? Well, I definitely, in my opinion, agree. And I think a really good example of that is the governor in California. His name is Governor Gavin Newsom, and he actually has a recall petition going against him. Do you know what that is? Yes. So for those of you that don't know what it is, a recall petition is essentially something from another party that's trying to outs Governor Gavin Newsom um, in California. Now, California has historically been a Democratic state, and the Republicans in California feel like Gavin Newsom is not allowing their voices to be heard, which is why this petition has been circulating. Um, In an article from CaliforniaGlobe.com, the... um, Basically, it says that Gavin has not commented on any of this, like, recall drama going on. Why do you think that is? I feel like from, like, the people who are giving him advice and, like, probably his PR team, they probably are telling him, you know what, Gavin, it's best if you just, like, ignore the trolls, ignore the haters, because if you, like, even get, like, speak back to them or tweet something at them, then you're becoming one of them, and then that can potentially hurt you in the future, especially when it comes to, like, people who support you. So that's probably the advice that he's getting on his end. So if I had to guess, that's probably why we haven't seen him comment anything yeah and the other thing too is it's like we've talked about before how maybe his audience on twitter and instagram might not even know that this is happening so for him to make a comment Mm -hmm. on social media could further like the discussion about whether or not he is being recalled so i think in this instance i agree like no word is not or is definitely the best strategy just because like we don't want to add fuel to a fire that might be going out in a week you know exactly and once it's out there it's out there (laughs) very true so i guess like Would we say that silence is always the best answer? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. But I think in this case, silence and no response is definitely a good, like, strategic move, especially on the digital spectrum for Gavin Newsom. Yes, I agree. Definitely. And speaking on, you know, more of the silence route, we have Senator Kevin Parker, who is from the Republican Party. And, you know, he really does not use his Twitter that much at all. But, you know, when he does decide to tweet, he really does not use the best things. Definitely not. And um, he was making headlines because he decided that it would be the best thing to tweet at Candace 
Geove, who is an employee for the Republican Majority Party, to kill herself. Now, what do you have? What do you think about that? Well, I think in the ever evolving conversation of mental health, it's always kind of taboo in today's society to make a statement like that. I feel like um, with how much it's being discussed. I feel like it's such a hot button topic that for somebody to put that out onto social media where you have no control over who can respond, who can like it, who can retweet it, then that's kind of like showing a lack of knowledge about how the digital landscape works, in my opinion. I feel like Kevin Parker definitely did not have a PR team because I don't know like what reasonable PR practitioner would advise him to tweet something like that. Exactly. And like he's a politician. So why are you out there tweeting someone to kill himself? Like that's just insane to me. And I feel like he definitely needed people to be like, do not do that. Like, I don't know why what he was thinking, why he thought this would be a good idea. But honestly, that's the most um engagement he ever received on his tweets because he never gets any type of feedback like he's literally lucky if he gets up to 10 favorites Mm -hmm. right now i am currently looking at a tweet from him and he has four favorites and three retweets which is weird because he has 8,336 followers exactly so it's really a shame because he has all these people following him for what for him to go tweet at people these negative things yeah and i think what's really sad is that the internet you know we've all heard it before the internet is forever and so like all 8,336 of those followers really weren't probably paying attention to him until he tweeted that and now he's going to be known as the guy that tweeted to kill yourself to somebody from the opposing political party which again just goes back to what we were talking about before about polarizing the political parties yeah you have one democrat attacking someone from the republican party and it's just like is this the example that they want to set but then they want to claim that in congress that everyone's working together but then on twitter you're going after one another so and i just feel like this is a really good example of how some individuals and you know i don't want to throw this out there because there are a lot of older people that do use twitter and instagram and everything really well but i think this is a pretty good example of a politician being out of touch and maybe being in need of a media team do you feel like it's like important for every single politician to have a media and a pr team or do you feel like if they are you know relevant enough on the social media sphere that they don't really need one I feel like that question really depends on which candidate and like politician you're talking about. But in the end, I definitely don't think it could hurt for every politician, no matter how successful or unsuccessful they are on social media. They should definitely have like either one individual or a team like just, you know, supervising and just being really like another set of eyes like, hey, maybe don't tweet that or maybe tweet this or use this platform. Because realistically, how are all these politicians going to be able to target their own audience, know what's appropriate, who to like, who like when to reply, when it's appropriate, if they don't really have someone in charge of that? Yeah. So I feel that like there are people who definitely would probably disagree with this. And one of the people definitely probably 
um, being um, Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, which she Otherwise is known yes, as AOC, the AOC. <laughs> yeah, and she is known for just you know going out there and doing her own thing. But you know, but does she have someone supervising her tweets? Well, probably not. But like, it I feel like, seem like it, it really doesn't. But you know, it does. I could see that like just setting up the politician for failure. In some way or another. Isn't it true that she has more, like, engagements than the president sometimes gets? She does. She really does. And she actually has... She is one of the most popular um, politicians on Twitter, considering she has 5.9 million followers followers on Twitter. And you're, and all these other politicians that we've been researching and everything have in the thousands. So that's just crazy alone. And the fact that she's getting more favorites, more comments, more of her tweets than President Trump is just it's really it shows you the power that she has yeah, she really has like turned digital strategy into her own i just feel like yeah. you know she has the story of you know being a bartender and rising up and i feel like people really relate to that and it's just like when people are on social media they're looking for somebody to relate to and so i just feel like aoc has that edge over a lot of politicians yeah. And I was actually laughing at a quote I found from her in an article, which she actually says how she tweets her own tweets all the time, and a majority of the time, half of her tweets never see the light of day. Uh Uh-oh, that drafts list is piling up. So that is just showing that she is very passionate about Twitter. This is definitely an example of a politician who, A, loves social media, knows who she's targeting, C, is not afraid to speak her mind, and she feels like this is the best way to get her her point across. So I feel like in this case, AOC is a perfect example of someone who is using Twitter in the right way. And so far, it's been doing really good for her, especially um, most recently. She was making headlines for her most uh, recent tweet about um, about uh, Medicare and she went off on it and it was like an entire thread you know and i think it's so interesting because a lot of people really associate the democratic party i think with like you know humor and being able to like be relatable Mm -hmm. and i feel like people often think of like republicans and conservatives as somebody that's so far out of touch like they're not relatable but i think that one really good example of like i wouldn't go as far as saying he's the aoc of the republican party but i definitely will say that dan crenshaw he does a great job of engaging college students on his social media account specifically his twitter he has 691,000 followers and he was featured on SNL. Oh, I saw um, that. He was hysterical. Hysterical. We uh, all know yes. Pete Davidson, <laughs> Ariana Grande's ex-boyfriend. Well, um, did you want to talk a little bit about what happened on on SNL? Oh, yeah. So I actually watched this episode. I thought it was hysterical. And that's how I even came across Dan, Dan Crenshaw. I've never heard about him. And, you know, his image, it's kind of hard to forget him because he has an eye patch. And apparently Pete Davidson, you know, he's from the opposing political party. He made a rude comment about Dan Crenshaw and his appearance, which, you know, coming from him, not too surprising. And basically, 
to apologize to him, you know, they reached out to him and they were like, hey, do you want to come on SNL? And he surprisingly said yes, which was crazy because, you know, SNL is known for being only for the Democratic Party, the yeah, liberals. Like liberal. Yes. Apparently, you know, if you're from the conservative party, you're not watching it. Mm-hmm. And he he came onto the show. And it was hysterical, you know, Pete's there, and he's like, listen, Dan, like, I'm really sorry, like, I shouldn't have done that, I crossed the line, and Crenshaw was like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) his phone rings, and the ringtone is from Ariana Grande, Pete Davidson's ex, and it's her song, Break Up With Your Boyfriend, (laughs) and Pete did not know that that was going to happen, and his face got all red, the audience was dying, it was hysterical, so that just shows you that he was able to take a serious situation with someone who did not have the same beliefs as him and he was basically able to you know move past it and throw some humor in there definitely, which i think yeah. definitely benefits him like For i looked sure. at his twitter i was laughing there yeah, was some no, good stuff he's on there funny and like he really like i think this is a good example of how earlier we talked about polarized political parties i think that this is a really good example of political parties coming together you know mm. i think it really shows that like everybody sometimes just wants to laugh But I think that what's super important to remember is that no matter, like, what your audience is, like, who you're trying to talk to, like, you really do have to be mindful of what you're putting out there. I think also, too, like, just to kind of wrap this whole discussion up is that, you know, these politicians are using social media to connect with potential voters, party members, opposing, and people on their same side, and... You know, what we've talked about today is really good examples of when to respond to trolls and haters on social media, when not to respond to them, how you can find your voice on social media, and how you can find your audience. Those two things are so, so important, especially for politicians. Like, you and I just use social media for leisure, but they're using social media to really connect with voters and to people that are interested in politics. And I just think that it's so important that they be mindful of how they use social media. Yes, exactly. So, guys, we hope that you enjoyed listening to our podcast, and we would love to hear what you have to say. So talk, so talk to us about how you think politicians are successfully or unsuccessfully finding their voice on social media. Comment on our Instagram or tweet us with the hashtag FindingTheirVoice. The links to both Instagram and Twitter are in our bio. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, share, and send us your comments on SoundCloud or tweet us using the hashtag PROnlineChat.